This is the Build Wealth Canada podcast, episode number 22. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hey, it's Cornell, and thanks for joining me here on the Build Wealth Canada show. Today, I have Dragon's Den winner Lee Renshaw on the show, and we're going to talk all about tips and strategies that you can implement if you want to start your own business on the side here in Canada. Now, one of the things I noticed based on the emails I've received from listeners of the show is that a lot of Build With Canada listeners would actually like to start their own business on the side here in Canada, but aren't actually sure how to do it and how to set it all up since a lot of the information out there is specifically for the U.S., and there really isn't a good step-by-step guide, at least not one that I could find out there that's specifically for Canadians. So anyways, because of this, I decided to build a free step-by-step video guide for all Build Wealth Canada listeners. And it's basically everything you need to know about starting your own side business here in Canada. You can check out the full video guide over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash business. All right. And in addition to that, it's obviously a good idea to have your own website for your new business if you're going to start one and so what I've also done is I've created a second video guide for you showing you step by step on how you can easily build your own website whether you're looking to start a blog or whether you want to start selling a service or sell a product so whatever you want to do basically this guide is specific for Canadians and will show you how to do everything as far as websites go all right what's also neat is that in the guide, I'm actually building a real-life website for a real Canadian business. And I recorded step-by-step how I do it so that you can follow along and basically build your own site by watching how I do it from scratch, all right? So anyways, I'm sure you'll love it. It's totally free, 100%. Uh, you don't even have to register or anything like that. And the link to that guide is buildwealthcanada.ca slash site, so just S-I-T-E. And yeah, you check it out. I'm sure you'll love it. All right, so just to recap, you can get the How to Start a Side Business in Canada video guide at buildwithcanada.ca slash business. And the How to Build Your Website video guide is over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash site. So S-I-T-E. All right, both are totally free and I look forward to hearing what you think. All right, so to supplement that even more, here is the awesome interview that I had with Dragon's Den winner, Lee Renshaw. All right, Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So, you know, really exciting story with you. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs want to get on Dragon's Den. Not only did you end up getting on Dragon's Den, but you actually had all of the dragons offer you a deal uh, to want to work with you, which is obviously yeah, yeah. even more rare. So maybe just to start us off, can you tell us your story, uh, both, you know, in terms of the product and just how everything kind of came to be? Uh, and then after that, maybe talk to us a little bit about how you basically ended up dominating Dragon's Den. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I basically the the whole idea came about. I was traveling back and forth from uh, Kitchener Waterloo to Toronto, and and back and forth. I mean, it took me two hours each each way every day. Um, so I, you know, I very quickly realized that I had to stay at some friends' houses or stay at my girlfriend's house just to sort of avoid that trip and and make it a bit easier. And uh, you know, I very quickly realized that you know, staying organized while you're living out of a bag is, you know, incredibly difficult. Um, you know, I, I shove all this stuff into, a, you know, just a big opening in a bag and, yeah. you know, hope for the best, really. 
so, you know, I, I, I realized that this was, you know, an area for improvement. I tried to find something that might, you know, help me. Never did. Um, and then that idea just sort of stuck with me over the years. And, you know, eventually, you know, after I graduated, I got a job and got some experience in my industry. And, and I thought, you know what? Like, this is bugging me. I got to do it. This is just, you know, luggage has really not changed since, you know, we've added wheels to the bottom right. of them. So, uh, you know, I thought, you know, it's, a, it's a, a stale industry that's sort of ripe for some innovation. So, uh, so I went and uh, tried to get a, a prototype made of basically a, a bag that has these collapsible shelves that essentially expand out of it. And, uh, and actually, that turned out to be quite difficult to get a, a prototype made. I, I contacted a bunch of sewers on Kijiji, uh, Craigslist, and basically none of them could figure out how to sew a bag. Like, they, you know, they could make, like, pillowcases or curtains, yeah. uh, but nobody could figure out how to make a bag. So I sort of took it into my own hands, and I, uh, I ended up just buying a bag. And I picked up a sewing machine at Walmart and just started – just hacking around That's learning awesome. to sew and I actually sewed my first shelves and I stapled them into the bottom of the bag and and uh you know eventually sent that off to to China mm-hmm. uh, and essentially what happened was is I I you know I went through this whole process of you know actually you know almost like four or five months just just nailing down the product and getting it figured out and you know I eventually got to the point where I was uh ready to make an order um, and I, I, you know, I got my brother involved and took on a bit of investment money and we made our first order and basically had all the stuff and it sat in my basement for almost a year. <laughs> so <laughs> it was very disheartening. I mean, we, we really quickly realized that we had this, this great product, but really no way of, of letting people know that, you know, even existed or that they could use it. Gotcha. It's, uh, it's like so, that, uh, was it was a Simpsons episode, I think, where Homer writes a book or something and then. You know, in your attic, he's got hundreds of copies of this book, and yeah. it's not enough to build a good product. You have to, like the sales and marketing yeah, piece yeah. is it's actually, like I would argue, the hardest part a lot of times. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it, ideas are cheap. You know, I think actually following through to to realize a product is also good. But I mean, unless people know about it and and buy it, I mean. All you have is a very expensive paperweight sitting in your basement or garage. So, you know, nobody wants that. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we thought, you know what, what's the best way to tell people about this thing that's not going to break the bank? And Mm -hmm. we were, were, I literally just got back from um, Florida visiting some family. And my brother said, you know what, like, like next week is the last day for the auditions for Dragon's Den. Like, let's go. That's awesome. Let's just go see what happens. So, you know, we packed up everything. My uh, my wife, but then girlfriend, helped us figure out a, a pitch, and we practiced it, and basically went and pitched it to the producers. And uh, I mean, we actually had the girl like she's jumping out of her seat, and like she was so excited, and mm-hmm. and so that's sort of the first stage of getting onto Dragon's Den. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, I mean, we basically you know had, it was a waiting game, so. Uh, you know, they have to, they can't tell you right there that you're going to be on the show or not. Right. That's the so, interview. So that everybody. girl that jumped out of her seat, that's kind of like a pre-screener, I guess. Like she screens everything. We, well, like... they're producers. Oh, they're so, producers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So there would be like six, six to eight producers there. Mm-hmm. And they're all sort of, the way I actually realized after the fact, I mean, they're all sort of uh, 
you know, making their picks of people that they're sort of pushing through. They each have their pitches for each of the, the days of filming. Gotcha. And they're almost sort of competing for, for actually making, like picking people that will make it to air. Mm-hmm. So even if they pick you to pitch to the dragons, I mean, it, it's, it's still a very slim chance of even airing. Oh, okay. Whether you make a deal or not, actually. Mm-hmm. So you, like you could go, go on, you can make a deal and still not air. Oh, and okay. yeah, so f- for us, I mean, that was obviously the the most important part was that it aired. I mean, whether we got an investment or not, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, obviously, you'd rather an investment, but but really, the the main thing was to get uh, the airtime. And I think something like it's like a hundred grand a minute in terms of like the actual advertising cost of being on Dragon's Den. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that's, what it, that's what it's basically worth. Right. So, I mean, it's, that's amazing. it's invaluable, yeah. really. I mean, we still get stuff to date, I mean, three years later, mm-hmm. uh, based on Dragon's Den. That's great. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we, we did that, and we, you know, you actually work with the producers to uh, come up with your pitch that you're actually going to use, you know, on the set. And uh, we kind of came up with this idea to come out in our underwear and basically get ready for the show on the show uh-huh. using, uh, you know, a comparison between my brother and myself of, you know, using a regular duffel bag versus one of our rise bags. Right. And uh, I mean, we, we essentially we had the dragons hooked <laughs> right <laughs> off the bat. After, you know, we set up the problem. And, right. You know, Sean's standing there, and his, who's my brother, is standing there in his, you know, wrinkled Dragon's Den outfit. He looks like a mess, and, you know, and I, I pop open my shells, and I mean, they, they pretty much gasped when they saw that, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I got ready, and I looked all, like, you know, pressed and clean, and I mean, it, I think it really illustrated, you know, the problem that we were trying to solve, uh, and you know, for them and, and also for the viewers as well. And, right. you know, and because we added a bit of entertainment to it, you know, with the underwear shtick, oh, uh, sure. you know, it, it helped us get on, on TV. And, and I think it also helped us become, you know, memorable. Right. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, so, it kind of got, you know, they, they raised their eyebrows a bit when you came out. I'm sure the viewers, if someone's has dragons then on in the background, right. And they're just kind of yeah, walking from their living, from their kitchen to their, you know, somewhere. And then they just, in the corner of their eye, they see these two guys underwear. in their underwear in the den. <laughs> I it, mean, you can't help but it's, look. Right? Oh yeah, that was that was really really clever. Yeah. So then, and then, so I guess because the main um, one of the main benefits, of, or I guess two main benefits of your uh, of what you sell is that one, the organization that every you can, yeah. as opposed to just like a a suitcase where you just kind of throw everything and try to keep things compartmentalized. Right. Instead, you have everything nice and clean and separated. But then the other big benefit is that you're now spending little to no time ironing because now right. everything is yeah. kind of nice stuff hasn't jostled you know on route and right and the other thing too is you know i found when i was living out of a bag uh, you know i i would wear something but what would i do with it after i wore it i mean it, it ended up going back in the bag right so now all my dirty clothes are mixing with my clean clothes. You know, I'm doing my, you know, my smell test every time just to see, oh, did I wear this one yet? That's no. right. Okay. <laughs> yep. Oh, I wear that one. <laughs> you know, and then everything starts smelling like a laundry hamper. It's, uh, you know, it's pretty bad. So, you know, with our thing, you can actually put the clothes underneath the shelves so that they're stored separately. So you get home, maybe you didn't wear everything. You can throw the stuff in the wash that you actually did wear and, and whatever you didn't wear. Cause I, I mean, I always end up bringing extra clothes right? and uh, you know, that stuff can just go back in. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it turned out that the more we looked into it, the more 
benefits we've kind of realized with just adding simple shelves to bag. I mean, it's it's fairly simple when you just think about it, but you know the benefits are are, are huge. Right, right. I mean, even to the point that it because it hangs, uh, it's out of reach of uh, you know nasty things like bed bugs. All right. Mm-hmm. Right. So it uh, you know you're sort of out of that that realm of, of bringing something like that back home. Cause they, they have, I think they can't crawl up uh, walls or anything. They can only really stay on the floor. Mm-hmm. So if you're leaving all your dirty clothes on the floor, I mean, you're, you're somewhat at risk. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I always say that if I'm in a hotel room, I've got you know, the suitcase and it's on the floor uh, and then you're, you're tripping over it and then, or, yeah. or it's on your bed and then you come home and you're tired or not home. You come to the hotel, you're tired. Now you've got to move the suitcase somewhere. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, or you got your friends come over and it's like your stuff's like, scattered oh, exactly everywhere. exactly whereas and then yeah you could put your suitcase in the closet but then now you have to take it out if you want something from it it's annoying yeah. whereas with yours okay you just hang it up in the closet of the hotel room for example or wherever you are and and basically you're you're, you're good to go uh yeah, you don't it, it's out of the way it's out of sight and it's all organized so yeah. uh yeah. yeah that's really awesome so i can just picture that i remember i saw the episode you know when it first aired i remember and yeah i remember you know, your brother's all wrinkled and all his clothes and, and you're kind of looking like a million bucks, like you're ready for a job interview yeah, or something, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, so it, exactly. It helps uh, sell, sell that message really well, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, during the pitch, it was, it was kind of interesting as well, you know, in terms of the way people's reactions work. Because, I mean, right off the bat, Arlene was like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that that sort of was the, the turning point for all the other dragons when they were looking at it, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know what? That is cool. You know, and then, and then Dra- and then Kevin gets in and then it's, you know, once he likes something, then it's like, everybody's kind of, it, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the ultimate credibility. If he likes it, then you must be onto something. And I mean, we thought we'd be eaten alive. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it was a very good experience that way. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then one of the things, I mean, speaking of Kevin, one of the things that I see, entrepreneur well when he used to be on the show at least you know people entrepreneurs would get torn up really badly by him when it came to valuing their company so you know if if you came in there with an unrealistic figure of what your company was worth Mm -hmm. i mean he would just let you have it and i don't even there might have even been some people crying or on the verge of crying i remember there was some it's pretty you know like he just doesn't hold back right and oh uh, yeah so so you i mean it makes a show right (laughs) (laughs) so but so it's always like you know you've got that you know, kind of in the back of your mind, like, okay, did I get, did I get the right number? Is this, this right? is this reasonable, right? That I, that I, am I pitching something reasonable? Uh, yeah. So, so how, how did you do that? How did you value your company to make it, you know, because obviously, you know, you don't want to um, devalue it, right? But, you know, you're trying to find that win-win sort of balance where you're, you know, you're getting what it's worth, but you also don't want to get torn up by Kevin and then everyone else is like, yeah, yeah you're right. This is ridiculous. Let's not even invest yeah. in these guys. You know, I think, I think valuating a company is sort of a fool's errand in some ways because it it really, you know, especially when you're beginning. I mean, we had a bunch of inventory and unproven idea. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it's really, I mean, it's impossible to actually evaluate what, what that's worth. Um, so, I mean, we really had to just sort of just pick a number. I mean, you know, I'd like to think pretty much any any business is worth investing in is at le- worth at least a hundred thousand. Right. 
Um, and so that was sort of our, our starting point. And, and I mean, recognizing that we really had no sales to date. I mean, I think we'd sold 100 bags at that point mm-hmm. to uh, Air Miles. Uh, you know, it was we recognized that it was a big risk for for the Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, what was our, our valuation we ended up with? Uh, I think we, we did 200,000. We're asking for a hundred thousand for half the company, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, for forty percent of the company. So, I, I think that was like a two hundred forty thousand dollar valuation. They they dropped it when they countered right. to basically two hundred thousand dollar valuation for half the company. Okay. Um. So, I mean, I I think that, you know, based on their experience and I. Going on Dragons Den, I mean, your your valuation that you're giving up is always going to be like what you're giving up is always going to be more because just being on the show, you've, they've, they've essentially increased the value of your company. Right. And now they want, they want a piece of that, obviously. Yeah. They, and they want a piece of that. Yeah. And, and I, I also think too, another thing that was important for us was, you know, the credibility of, of the dragons actually, you know, coming on board on the show. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I think that that adds a lot of credibility to your business, especially when you're starting out as, you know, unproven entrepreneurs and, and young like Sean and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that was also a really important aspect to, you know, giving them a, a good piece of the pie, uh, you know, on the on the show, uh, you know, just to make sure that that they would invest and that we would have offers and that it would be a productive, uh, you know, negotiation as opposed to, well, I really like it, but your valuation stinks, so I'm out. Right, I mean, that right. does really, you know, it doesn't really engage in any kind of conversation or or give you any kind of movement with that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's really where we we kind of felt, you know, the valuation should really go, and you know, we thought it was reasonable, and 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 I think you know, based on their their feedback, that they also thought it was uh, reasonable as well. Okay, that's good, and yeah, I noticed that you did the the fifty percent sort of play where. Okay, they have now a lot of skin in the game because they own the fifty or or fifty one. I don't like, was it fifty fifty. It was it was fifty fifty. Okay. So I mean, I guess ultimately we would both have to to agree, agree. on yeah. decisions. Um, you know, I think that they wanted that just because, I mean, two young guys unproven. Right, no and, and not, yeah, so so they come up with some great idea that they know has worked for many of their other businesses, and you guys can shoot just shut it down and say no because I own. 51% or more so right yeah, so, yeah. yeah so I could see how that really helped kind of sweeten the deal for them saying look everything's going to be a consensus between us it's going yeah. to be like a, a really a true partnership it's mm-hmm. it, and it'll be well, a really a real win-win if everything works out absolutely and I think you mm-hmm. hit the nail on the head I mean we were really looking for you know a partnership going into this and that mm-hmm. you know we were looking for for partners that had you know business savvy and and marketing expertise and and, you know, people that we could bounce ideas off of and, and or at least networks that we could utilize in order to make it grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that's why we were also OK with the the 50 percent valuation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so or offer rather. Uh, so, you know, I think that it was like you said, I mean, partnership, that's, you know, I think that's the name of the game sometimes. For sure. And I mean, in this case too, like you said, you guys are just starting off, you're unproven, you're, you're basically securing yourself an incredible mentor as well. I mean, what, yeah. what is that worth? I mean, even if the business ends up failing or whatever, or doesn't make as much as you dreamed, uh, I mean, the, the lessons learned 
from these dragons oh, alone would i mean I, you know people spend so much money on on formal education uh i mean here you've got dragons that are you know they've been in the trenches they are in the mm-hmm. trenches with some of these businesses i mean that's i mean what is what's the value on that that is a huge, oh, huge yeah value. i mean it's incredible like yeah. i mean so many of these things you you really can't learn in school yeah. i mean you really you can only do them by you know rolling up the sleeves and, and digging in head first and exactly and you know having people that you can at least avoid some of those major mistakes is uh you know it's definitely helpful to to make it go but you know sure. I, at least for myself and sean i mean like you said the lessons learned i mean that was really we always knew that if this was a was not a success that at least it was it would be a springboard to the next thing mm-hmm so, yeah. So, I mean, even if we learned that, you know, that would have been great. So, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more that, that uh, you know, that, that partnership and, and, and uh, mentorship is, is invaluable, really. For sure. I mean, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you were to say, uh, you know, approach Jim or Arlene and say, hey, can, can you be my sort of consultant mentor, you know, and then you ask what they would charge you. I mean, you know, that's going to be a pretty significant figure if you're just, no. right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's not uh, it's not something you just, you know, it's something to to really place a high value on. So, Absolutely. so that's really great. I'm glad you brought that. I was, you know, it's not just about the money and and, and greed. It's you know what the the education, the the mm-hmm. learning from from the experience of experts. Uh, I mean, you really have to consider that as well and, and what the oh, value absolutely. of that is um, because, you know, it, it, depending on how things turn out, that might even be worth more to you in the future than that very first business you started, right? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because like you said, it could be a launch pad for future businesses. So, Yeah, I mean, how many businesses change course oh, exactly. you know, partway through? I mean, it's we weren't really sure if that would be us or not, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, that's great. So what did you think... Uh, what do you think it was about you guys that made you ultimately stand out and, and, and have the dragons want to invest with you? What, like, what do you think really sort of sealed the deal where they're like, you know what, we really want to work with these guys because all of them wanted to work with you. So you clearly, you know, you clearly gave yeah. off something. You did something right. <laughs> we gave, yeah, we gave off some of the right vibes. Yeah. You know, I think that we, I mean, the first first impression was here, here we are, we're not underwear models by any means. And here we are coming out, we're taking a risk. Yeah. I mean, they, we could get lapped off the set, uh, you know, so, you know, I think that they could see that, A, we're, you know, we're, we're having fun with this. We're not, you know, overly serious, mm-hmm. but, but we are going to do what we need to do in order to, you know, succeed. Um, you know, I think that that was one of the first sort of, you know, impressions that kind of helped gain traction in, in their mindsets. Um, you know, and then the next thing I, I think too, is, you know, we had a, a, a pretty good, um, set of presentation skills. I mean, we, we both, you know, Sean and I had to do quite a few presentations in school. Uh, and I mean, this wasn't too far after school. So, I mean, that was still very fresh in our minds, you know, being able to stand up in front of people and, you know, give a presentation and get a, an idea across. And I think, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's always very helpful, if you're able to, you know, express your ideas and, and being able to, you know, relay what it is exactly that you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was also, you know, something that was very, like, I, I think that that's held high in, high in regard, you know, for investors, you know, they, it's like the, the saying goes, I mean, they're, they're investing in people, not necessarily products because right. products can change, but the people can't. Mm-hmm. Or rarely do, um, and it's, they certainly wouldn't invest in somebody 
you know, thinking that they're going to change. So, right. you know, that's what they can see today. I mean, we've got an unproven idea. It's really about us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think we also kind of relayed that, you know, we would be easy people to work with as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm sure, you know, after the number of deals that, that, you know, the dragons have completed, they know how, how frustrating it can be to work with difficult people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, that's, nobody wants to work with difficult people in business. You know, it's, you want to take sort of the path of least resistance and, and, you know, it has to be an amazingly stellar idea or business for it to overcome some, some things like that. So, you know, I think that we, because we proved we were easy to, to kind of work with and negotiate, we came in with a reasonable offer, uh, you know, all those things just kind of signaled that this was a, you know, a, a, a business worth seriously considering for sure that's great yeah i mean the dragons already have money right so it's so it's not like that's the only thing that they're looking for and they're willing to suck it up you know if someone is just this horrible person to work with just seems really unpleasant is arrogant whatever right so yeah i, I can see for yeah. them it's like you know what this okay this we're investing in the person i have to want to take their call if they call me i have to want to want to work with them you know it, it, it sounds like it'll be fun right I, I can see that being and then you guys coming yeah. out in your underwear it's like okay so i mean th- that shows a lot of things all right because it shows that well you guys are you know you're willing to do what it takes right you're willing yeah. to think outside the box you're clearly yeah. creative because you came up with this you know how to attract attention right so it's it's it, so it's a testament to your marketing acumen basically as well right and your, yeah, and your sales absolutely. acumen. so so you know so even just walking out in your underwear may seem like this sort of you know little thing but for someone that's a seasoned business person you know they look at that and then you start talking and you you're well put together you've got your presentation down pat you know you're, you're basically selling it well and then they're thinking well yeah the, you know these guys yeah we could get them on you know the shopping channel and look they can actually hold their own um look, they're willing to push the envelope maybe get out of the comfort zone a bit to do what it takes to make the business succeed you know these guys sound like they'll play ball with us and then we'll be fun to work with um yeah so yeah it's all it's awesome yeah i think you, you really uh you pulled it off really well yeah yeah and you know when you're you're coming up with a pitch i mean you've you don't really realize all these things that actually may have an effect you know or or what you know what they'll actually end up doing in helping us i mean we just thought oh well we just want this to be good for tv mm-hmm. you know not realizing all of those other benefits that you basically you just mentioned and mm-hmm. but it's so true mm-hmm. You know, we just kind of did that by gut instinct in in some ways. So, or maybe really lucked out. I I can't really be sure which. But But you know what? Even if it wasn't like all perfectly orchestrated to begin with and you're, you know, you've had sort of those skills already built in. You've had those sort of, you know, those personality traits that that showed them mm-hmm. that, you know what, these are going to be people that are fun to work with, that we can succeed with. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, and I think you kind of touched on another subject too, in terms of you know having everything so dialed in. I mean, I, I've I've actually found in business that really you know just getting out there and, and actually doing it, right. um, you know, it, it has always been more productive than trying to refine something to death. I mean, we're we're still you know trying to get our product into you know and this you know improving the aesthetics and getting into next models and versions, but. You know, how we never just taken that step and, and just, just done it. I mean, mm-hmm. we'd still be at the drawing board. For sure. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a common thing in, in business. It, it's tempting to constantly optimize and optimize. And, and you should always be improving. It's true. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you're spending 90% of your time trying to optimize something that's already pretty good, 
um, okay, well, maybe you should be spending more time actually getting it out there, getting customer yeah. feedback, right? Instead of just playing in your own head and trying to tweak this thing. So you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're trying to tweak the small pie to make it better, you know, whereas, okay, well, what if we just increase the pie, you know, and then once it's bigger, okay, then, yeah. then those tweaks we make will have an even bigger impact and then they can even more so escalate our business. So, so, oh, yeah, I, absolutely. so for sure, I think there's a fine balance um, between the two and not just spending all your time optimizing you know, trying to optimize this product when you don't even have a customer yet, for example, right? Like yeah. get out there. You don't even know feedback. what they want. Exactly. I mean, you have all these ideas of what they want, but you really don't know. Exactly. Right. And even, and even how you pitch it, right? Like you, you know, you pitch it initially, they may not buy it. And eventually someone, you, you hear how they talk about your product and how they explain mm-hmm. it to others. And you get a good sense of, okay, you know, maybe, you know, before I was thinking of pitching it this way, but this person's really, you know, they're, they're targeting this other pain point that they actually have. Maybe I should pitch it this way. And yeah, yeah you never would have known that if, if you were just in your basement, you know, putting shelves mm-hmm. together, right? You'd, yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd have and to a go prime example of that is I actually thought when I first designed this bag that it was for people who are maybe more on the dis- disorganized side mm-hmm. who would be interested in getting it but want to be organized. After we did this, completely opposite really what it is is people who love being organized who want something that's going to help them be more organized like that's that's really who our target demographic is right now now that we've actually gone through this whole process and 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 have uh, pretty much validated it so it's not really what i originally thought exactly yeah no that's great that's great and then in, in terms of um so so yeah like when we let's get back to this this deal that you had with them so if i remember yep. correctly you had um so all four dragons wanted to work with you and i believe two of them partnered up and then the other two partnered up too right and they were basically yeah. competing against each other right they were trying to kind of bid for your for your business yeah. right so there, there was actually five dragons oh five okay sorry yep uh bruce was the one he, he he thought that basically like there were excellent deals on the table and he bowed out so so that basically left us with jim and kevin who partnered up together and Arlene and David Shilton, who partnered up together. Okay. Um, now, the Kevin and Jim deal was more of a a licensing deal. So they would take our intellectual property and help us pitch it to you know the the major luggage manufacturers and help us get a licensing deal. You know, we we'd collect a royalty check and then that would be it, mm-hmm. and we'd give them a cut and and that would be it. Um, and the Arlene and David Chilton deal was a bit more of a, a, a better mix. It was the same offer, 50% for a hundred thousand dollars for both. Uh, the Arlene and David Chilton deal was more, you know, okay, we'll, we'll try the licensing thing, but we'll also try and help support you, um, you know, from, from the perspective of, of actually making this a, a business, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pitching it to the shopping channel and getting it in, in QVC in the States and, and figuring out whatever channels we need to get it onto and, and doing the marketing. Um, so that those were the two perspectives uh, that we were sort of, you know, weighing up the options for. Um, but going in, I mean, really, we were, you know, realizing that the big thing that we were lacking was the marketing. I mean, I, I think Arlene was really our our number one choice uh, going in and you know we weren't really looking for necessarily you know just just kind of licensing it off and wiping our hands clean I mean you know go, kind of going back to the lessons learned I don't know how many lessons there would really be learned you know we're young people I mean we 
you know, this is, we've got the rest of our lives to do stuff with. So, mm-hmm. you know, we may as well learn what we can learn. So, sure. you know, I think the licensing thing from that perspective too, it's, it didn't really appeal to, to what we were looking for mm-hmm. as business owners. So, right. yeah, unless you want to be some licensing specialist, maybe for the rest of your life. And this is okay, well, let's learn how to do licensing and fine. But then you said you could have done that with, with Arlene and, and David anyway. Yeah, that was still an option. Yeah, it was yeah. still, yeah, I mean, we'd mm-hmm. still learn that. Plus, plus, I mean, if, if a licensing deal didn't go through, I mean, their Kevin and Jim's offer was contingent on it, a licensing deal. Go oh, through. So, okay. That's a big one. so yeah. no, no licensing deal goes through, then it's basically we're square one, no mentors, right? you know, no help, no money, mm-hmm. you know, square one. Yeah. Other than we would have been on Dragon's Den, but right. Yeah. Which is still good. But yeah, that, I can see that being a pretty big game changer as well. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, even from like a risk reward perspective, I mean, Kevin and, or sorry, uh, the Arlene and David Shilton's offer was much better. Mm-hmm. And then once you guys closed on the deal on the actual show, obviously afterwards you had to go back at a later date they had to do their due diligence. You had to negotiate as well, right? Do all the different agreements, things like that. How yeah. how did all how, how was that process like? And you take us a bit behind the scenes because we don't really see a lot of that on the show. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I kind of think that they should showcase a lot of that more on the show. I think people like it. It would dispel some of the the sort of the unknown of the, of how the show actually works. So really, what it is is, I mean, you do a deal on the show, you walk off. First thing you do, you're, you're met with one of their um, their advisors and you sign a, a deal sheet saying that, you know, we will, we're committing to looking at this deal with each other and, you know, seeing if it, if it actually is a right fit. So, I mean, on the show, I mean, I, I look at it more of like a handshake deal to say, okay, let's look at each other. Right. We're interested. It's not so much, oh, well, here's a hundred grand and, and we own 50% of your company the moment you walk off. Right. Uh, so, so yeah, so we wrote that deal sheet. I mean, we had two, two dragons. Um, and the other thing too, is you're not allowed to talk about being on the show until either your episode airs. So all this time you have no idea whether or not your episode will actually air mm-hmm. or the end of the season which is a year after you've, you've actually oh, filmed okay. it. So, <laughs> so it can actually take a year before you can even say, Oh yeah, well I, you know, I went on dragons then with this oh, okay. and we got a deal. So you can't <laughs> talk about any of that. We were really, really fortunate in that it was actually the, the very first episode. It was the premier episode of the season. So we were the first people to actually be able to talk about nice. it. But anyway, so, uh, so basically what happened was, was Arlene, um, she was actually the the lead investor on our deal. Um, we and then and then um, David Chilton was sort of like the the tag along. Um, but what we quickly found out is that you know Arlene, you're not really working with Arlene directly. You're working with her, you know, subordinates. Um, however, David Chilton, you know, he would actually he actually ended up being our lead. Mm-hmm. Kind of took over and uh, you know we'd be on the phone basically like every other day trying to figure out, you know, whether or not it was a good fit. Ultimately we decided from both ends that, you know, kind of going back to, you know, how we felt about the, you know, our whole business in general and that, you know, we're these new entrepreneurs and then I could tell very early on that it was, it was just too big of a, a hurdle 
for them. So, you know, we ultimately decided to actually turn them down. And, and we also realized, too, that they wouldn't be necessarily as much help in the mentorship area as we were also hoping. You know, they're, they're really busy. They've got their own businesses that they're running. They've got other deals that they're helping. Um, you know, so we realized that there may not be as much that we can learn necessarily, you know, as we would have hoped for giving up half the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, we basically, we, we told told David, you know, let's, let's, uh, you know, let's put this on hold for now. You know, it's, it's not really necessarily the right fit for either parties. So let's, let's just kind of leave it be. And then we, uh, we basically, we aired on Dragon's Den and, and, uh, I mean, everything just skyrocketed and, I mean, we actually got calls from them saying, I can't believe we didn't do the deal. But, you know, at, at that point we had sort of got what we, we're, we're looking for in terms of the marketing. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, it didn't really seem like a, a good fit necessarily for us at that point either. So, mm-hmm. so, I mean, we, we basically, you know, went through the deal and, and still own the whole company and, mm-hmm. and, uh, have been, been learning our lessons on our own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. So you're saying once it, once it aired, it really basically skyrocketed, uh, your business. Yeah, I just want oh, to yeah. get a, Handle, you know, what kind of an impact did it did it basically have? Being well, I mean, we were we basically were were notified about a, a week, was a week, maybe less than a week before it actually aired that it would air. Oh, okay. So we really had no idea. So I mean, we really had very little time to prepare. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I could, boy, I, I mean, I have some of the other challenges of things that actually happened during, but basically, you know. We we sold about two thousand bags in three weeks oh, okay. after the show. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's that's pretty good, and, and it it actually you know made up for the investment right that right. we were were missing. Um, so it really you know it really got us us uh, going. Now some of the behind the scene things. I mean it was probably you know the most stressful segment of my life that i probably will ever live yeah yeah as soon as you said they only gave you that little time to know before it, it airs i thought the first th- uh, word that popped into my head was inventory inventory yeah, yeah. yeah. we had <laughs> luckily i had a basement full of stuff uh-huh. unluckily um you know we're here we are we're selling this organizational product but uh Basically, we opened up the boxes when we got them, and we realized that they didn't really fold the shelves very well. Oh, okay. So they were a wrinkled mess. Oh. So, you know, I thought, oh, my God, you know, we're selling this this thing. It's supposed to be people's stuff, you know, from getting wrinkled, and they're all wrinkled. So <laughs> right. we ended up steaming 2,000 bags in my basement. You know, as we're selling them, we're steaming them. It was like a... I have an unfinished basement, so we have all these uh, rafters above. So we had it was like a forest of all these rise bags everywhere. I had yeah. friends, family, I mean, you name it. Everyone was there steaming and packing bags and yeah. carloads to the, the the post office, and I mean, it was very very stressful moments. <laughs> so somehow we pulled through. I don't know how, but uh, 
you know, <laughs> got to <laughs> do what you got to do, did, right? Yeah, you did what had to be done, right? And uh, yeah. I, I got to order that. That's great. That's great. So, yeah. so how are you guys doing uh, right now? I mean, it's been a while since it aired. I know we spoke a, a, a briefly before, and you said that you're actually uh, sold out of the bags right on, on some of uh, a bunch of the bags are actually sold out on uh yeah. they're doing yeah. really really well but i guess even um even if they're sold out i noticed on your site you can still go on the mailing list right so yes. um so if yeah. any of our listeners are interested in, in the bags they can go on um and and if, and if the bag they want is actually sold out then they can always sign up on that right and then you'll yeah. get in yeah. touch yeah. with Absolutely. them once they're in stock and they'll sort of be the first to, mm-hmm. to get the new the new shipment right Absolutely. Yep. That, yep. That, they'll be, they'll be first. We, we do have some stock actually just come in. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So there, there may be a little bit of, of stuff available. It was a, a very small order, just sort of the tie us over. Um, but uh, yeah, so there is a few things, but if we don't have stock, then uh, yeah, definitely they can uh, sign up for our uh, newsletter mm-hmm. or just go on the product that you like and put in your email address and then we'll give them uh, first dibs when they're back in. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the business has been going really, really well. I mean, we've, we've, we've had our ups, but we've had a lot of, uh, <laughs> downs as well, you know, learning our lessons. And I mean, we, we've sort of been cycling in and out of, of being sold out and having stock, mm-hmm. uh, since Dragon's Den. I mean, we sold those 2000 bags in three weeks and that was October. We didn't have really anything for Christmas even. Right. Um, oh yeah. And, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I mean, it's it's a a really good bad thing. Um, I mean, it's good that you sold out and that people like it, but it's bad because you're you know you're missing out on the, the peak time of the year. <laughs> the, yeah, a lot of sales. I mean, if yeah. you had more stuff, then you could uh, and we'd be selling it mm-hmm. right and making more. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that was I, I'd say that that's probably been one of our our biggest hurdles. I mean, even to date, um, you know, we keep getting surprised by the demand over what we think that we'll be able to do. Right. Uh, so we, we consistently underestimate, unfortunately, but going forward, we're going to be going, going to be fixing that. Uh, but you know, it's, it's very challenging with a product based business like this and that we have, you know, we've got a couple different SKUs, we have minimum orders and, you know, we're making stuff overseas in China and depending on when you're ordering stuff, I mean, it can take anywhere from three to six months to actually get it. Right. So, so when you run out, it's, it's usually bad. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That seems to be one of the recurring themes I I hear when I talk to entrepreneurs who have a a physical products based business where it's where they, they quickly learn that inventory isn't kind of the the sexiest thing it's not it doesn't sound as fun as some of these cool fun marketing things you could be doing but it seems that inventory if you're in that kind of business is it's something that i hear a lot of them say i Mm. wish i focused on this more when i was first getting started because then they get bit like in your case where christmas comes and you're out of stock and then and then you learn very quickly okay we really need to get this inventory oh yeah your your supply chain is is Mm -hmm. incredibly important with a a product-based business and you know part of the problem with china too is because the the minimums are so high you know it's it's hard to get to a scale where you know you're you're able to sell product like have product in stock but also be making stuff right at the same time i mean we we're just sort of getting out of this this stage of you know you know once we've once we've we really only have the money to get the next orders once we've sold everything oh okay right so so you know you can imagine 
the cash you know, flow that, issues. That, yeah, it's, it's the cash flow thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we've actually uh, recently taken on some uh, more investments that basically this doesn't happen uh, going forward. So that, mm-hmm. you know, we've got enough inventory here, and you know, once we've sold half of it, we can still meet our minimums and order more. Right, right. Uh, so that's, I mean, that I'd say the the whole supply chain thing has been the the most challenging and, and critical aspect of our business past the marketing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, we've got the marketing thing figured out now pretty good i'd say but uh but yeah you know the supply chain <laughs> you gotta <laughs> i believe it's so- you know and that's where making stuff i mean we tried actually making stuff in canada mm-hmm. um but it basically costs us what we're selling it for oh, okay yeah so i mean we were we were doing that for a time just in order to keep the sales flowing right right um, but, Keep I the mean, customers just... happy so that they're not waiting forever to get the product. So you kind of do yeah. what has to be done just to keep mm-hmm. the cus- to keep the customer happy, even though you might not be actually be making any money off that particular order because you obviously they're going to be pretty mad if they have to wait three months for a for a bag. Well, yeah, 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 exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And and uh, you know, but the problem too is that you know a lot of our models now we can't even make here. You know, we've lost so many skill sets you know in terms of sewing and cut and sew and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff that it's just you know it's almost impossible to do here so i some of our models are we can't even make here like our, our rollers oh, okay like like the, the companies that could manufacture them don't actually don't exist just, in canada anymore so you they really don't, don't have a choice yeah to yeah go overseas overseas is the only option hmm. so that's interesting that's interesting yeah yeah something you wouldn't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i i don't see any um, any gray hairs Excuse on me. your head yet so it looks like you might be managing it looks like you're managing stress okay at least no no yeah, no, no gray yeah. hairs on well, your head <laughs> yeah you should you should see me after dragons then. I, I like, <laughs> but now yeah now i've, I've sort of even out. i you know i you you learn how to, to how to manage this stuff uh, <laughs> just from an emotional standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, after after going through it a few times, you know, I'm now I'm steady like a rock. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. You got a thick skin, ready to take yep. on more oh, yeah. challenges, skin. learn more oh, lessons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick break in case you didn't catch all the information about the free step-by-step video guides that I built for you about starting your own business on the side here in Canada, as well as how to build your own website here in Canada, which can actually be a fair bit different for Canadians. You can watch the entire guides for free over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash business. And if you just want to learn how to build your site, whether it's for a blog or a product or a service that you want to sell, you can just go check out the how to build a website portion over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash site. So just S-I-T-E. All right. Now let's get back into the interview. So, so for those that uh, those listeners that want to have a business on a side or maybe eventually they want to actually have their own full-time business or, you know, eventually develop their mm. part-time into a full-time full-blown business, um, like what you have done. Um, what are some tips that you have for them when they're just getting started? You mentioned, you know, you mentioned inventory, which will be pretty key if they're in the product-based business. Are there any sort of big, uh, sort of big tips, big things they should consider if they're just getting started? Um, I mean, for me, if, if I was to go back even and, and kind of just start all, all over, I, I, and I was trying to do it part time. I think I would really focus on something that I, I could make here and make a profit. Okay. You know, you've got way lower, you know, minimums that you have to meet. And, and that also reduces the risk. I mean, sometimes you can even start a, you know, a business like this. Maybe you make it yourself even. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was actually good at sewing, 
excuse me, I, you know, I, I think that I would have actually just sewn my first hundred bags to sell. And I think that that's probably one of the most important kind of starting points is that you just, you know, you don't go too deep. You prove the market, you figure out what you need to change before you start ordering a thousand. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I, I really took, you know, too big of a risk on those, you know, that first order. Right. Okay. Really. Um, and, and I think the other thing too is, you know, starting, like I, I actually did start this part-time. I mean, I was, I designed everything after work. Um, you know, another important thing too, is that you're not doing stuff for your business at work. Right. (laughs) From a legal standpoint, you know, that's, I think that that's something that isn't talked about very often, but it, I mean, it is so critical mm-hmm. because if you come up with something and, and you've used your work resources, I mean, they, they could have a very legitimate case mm-hmm. on owning whatever you've done. Right. Especially if it's related to your field. Oh, for sure. Um, so, I mean, that would be right off the bat. I mean, that's, that's a pretty important thing. Like don't use your work email, make sure you're only, you know, you don't use any resources from work. Uh, do everything at home. Don't let your work buy anything for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, keep, keep those everything relationships completely, completely separate. Yeah, you mm-hmm. need to have a you know a wall between both of those mm-hmm. both of those things. Uh, so that would be that's a great obviously thing. from a legal standpoint. That's pretty important things. I actually had a case happen almost with that because I was I had a I was doing some design work for a, a sporting goods company. So soft goods still related. That's how I sort of got my, my knowledge base in terms of how to do it. Um, and uh, I did. I kept everything completely separate. Uh, but I did approach them before leaving in terms of, of trying to maybe do, you know, we tried to work it on a deal that, that you know, I could stay with the company but or do a partner with the, the owner. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended up actually turning me down on it. So I did it on my own. And, uh, they eventually, I ended up getting a letter from them saying that, that they own it. Oh, okay. Their lawyer. <laughs> after Dragon's Den, you know, after you get something big like that, you know, everybody sort of starts coming out of the woodwork. Right, right. And, uh, you know, I had kept everything and, and, you know, basically he said he wasn't interested in it when he started. So, I mean, he really didn't have, unfortunately, any, for him, any claim to it. And fortunately for me, you know, keeping good, good records on all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's where I kind of come about with that. Um, now, in terms of actually starting a business, I mean, a product-based business, I would absolutely use uh, Kickstarter. I mean, that wasn't really around when I when I first started, and it's such an invaluable resource in terms of, A, proving your market. I mean, if you can go on Kickstarter, you can reach your goal. I mean, you, you've pretty much proven that what it is you're doing can can be a success, you know, it gives you a taste. You've gotten your first customers. And, and I think a lot of people's businesses grow from there in terms of, you know, word of mouth and, and you've gained some visibility. So I would absolutely try to do stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I, I also think, too, if you're doing a product business, it's important to set up a corporation in order to keep your, you know, your assets sort of separate. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I, 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 I was always like, you know, my wife and I, we own our house, you know, I, I definitely didn't want some side project to drag down a, you know, our house and right, right. <laughs> have to start all over again. So, I mean, you know, just from a liability standpoint, mm-hmm. 
I mean, somebody lifts up our, one of our bags and hurts their back, you know, like that kind of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and insurance is pretty cheap if you're doing something that's not too risky. Like I think our, our insurance is like maybe like 50 to a hundred bucks a month. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, it's very reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would just do everything that you can to, to let people know about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when you start, it's just all about telling people about it, mm-hmm. you know, and getting feedback. And then could you not uh, get the insurance despite if you didn't have a corporation right away, if you were just running it as a sole proprietorship? Yeah, I think the insurance, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the insurance would be a good starting point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think we have $2 million liability coverage. I mean, even now, I don't know, sir, we're at $5 million. But, mm-hmm. I mean, to start off $2 million, you know, that, that's going to cover you against most, most things. Right, right. Um, you know, and you're really, I'd say that, the, you know, the chance – Obviously, I'm not a lawyer. I don't really don't know, but I think that that just from a just from a personal standpoint, I think that that would probably be a good starting point, even past the corporation. If if mm-hmm. you know you're still in the phase of just trying to figure out if it's something that is worth doing or not. I mean, for sure, there's a lot of added costs to getting a corporation set up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's why I bring it up, right? Because I can see a lot of um, aspiring entrepreneurs. You know, they want to have something on the side, and you know, they've got all these questions, and then oh, what? So do I have to start a corporation, and then well, how the heck do I even do that, right? So now they're, okay, right. well, now I have to meet with a lawyer. That's going to cost me quite a bit of money. Then I have to get them to actually, like, dra- you know, do all the document, all the legal work to- for that. That's right. going to be expensive. And now also your bookkeeping and your annual taxes are also going to be higher every year. So it's not even just a one-time cost, right? It's because now mm-hmm. you're a corporation, which is a lot more uh, advanced than just having sort of a, the default, right. which is the sole proprietorship, right? So now, right. you know, you're taking on all these expenses. And meanwhile, you might not even have a product to sell yet, right? Maybe you're just... Yep. Or, you know, or, or you're just very, very small potatoes at this point, you're just trying to get things going. So, um, yeah. And you may not know, like, if, you know, spend a couple thousand dollars on a corporation and then nobody wants it. Exactly. And that's, that stuff happens. And now you've got this empty corporation that doesn't do anything. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the, yeah. So I like, yeah. so I like your tip about, well, you know, if, if you are sort of, you know, consider the insurance piece, you know, especially like in your case where it's a product where, like you said, maybe someone drops it on their foot or, you know, tries to lift it up yeah. and hurts their back and they're just looking uh, like your product safe, but, you know, but people look for these opportunities. Yeah. So there's, there's certain people that look for these yeah. opportunities to, so they can sue you and hopefully get like a, you know, a, a nice little payout. Right. Um, right. Right. It just, just, that's the kind of, they take advantage mm-hmm. of people basically. But if you're doing sporting goods, I mean, that's, yeah. that's like really high. I mean, I, that's, I guess that would be the other thing. If you're just starting out, you don't have a lot of capital. Mm-hmm. Don't do things that people can get hurt at. Yeah. Or make sure you at least have the, the adequate insurance. Oh yeah. But you. insurance for that is like a thousand dollars a month. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, like it, it, it's phenomenal because oh, okay, yep. chance of injury and, in, you know, sporting goods and, and maybe your equipment didn't meet up to certain standards. Oh, is I see. Very high. Gotcha. You know, so there's like, there's a very good chance that you, that something will happen. Mm-hmm. So I, that, I mean, I would avoid, I definitely like that's one of my standard things. Like I will avoid any kind of business that is just too high liability. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be a good idea, I guess, as a as a next step for some of our listeners is if if you are in a kind of business, you think maybe there's some some risk there, and I don't want to open up a corporation yet because I'm just starting from scratch. I don't, you know, I don't want to spend all this money yet. Um, to at least talk to somebody in insurance, you know, call your insurance provider, call a few yeah. of them, you know, like call three of them and say, Hey, listen, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I'm protected. Um, you know, what kind of options do you have? What should right. I be doing? Right. 
Um, and if you really want to take things even further, you could even talk to a lawyer. Now it's going to cost you more money, right? But right. but if you really like like you said, if you're going into sporting goods, you know you really want to make sure that your your eyes are dotted, your T's are crossed, that every, yeah. all the angles are covered. Or I mean, that might be the time or or the kind of business where it makes sense to try and find you know another company to partner with to get started, or right. you know, or you've got the money to do it. You know, right, it's, right. It really, it really depends on the person. I mean, when I started, I really had nothing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to pick something that was, you know, very low risk and 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 I mean, coming from the sporting goods industry, I, you know, I was very, I was privy to, you know, the things that that happened. Right. Um. I mean, those those things tank huge companies. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. I, I Cooper's it. Cooper's no longer around because of that. Oh yeah. Because of a, a helmet that they developed that. It would it, it wouldn't protect people against you know a certain type of impact. Okay. And it, it actually brought down the whole company. I, I from what I remember. Wow. <laughs> so I can They're see huge. your aversion to uh, <laughs> your aversion to sporting goods yeah. and things I like mean, that. I mean, I yeah. I don't like being too too risky. I mean, that's hmm. that's something I like to avoid. But um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't go into something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's your passion and and what you want to do, it's just I I think you just. A, you know, be realistic in that is, you know, it's going to cost you more in terms of, of you know, and and that you need to get that kind of uh, protection. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, um, just basically. I would definitely not do that as a the sole proprietorship unless you had significant insurance. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so just make sure that that your bases are covered and. and- <laughs> yeah, that makes complete yeah. sense. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah, for sure. Like, I want to make sure if someone's starting off that they are well protected, their bases are covered, and then, but there's a fine line between okay, that and okay, now this just seems too overwhelming. There's too many things to do. It costs too much money to start a business in Canada, which it really doesn't. It's actually so easy to start a business here. It's 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 incredible. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So 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 yeah. So definitely, just you know, make sure your bases are covered in terms of insurance if something was to happen. But yep. you definitely don't need to start off a corporation and start hiring fancy lawyers and all this kind of stuff yeah so, yeah and actually coming to think of it I, I think i started off as a sole proprietorship too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i i started that way and then once you know once we we did the dragon's thing i then i went to the the full corporation exactly exactly yeah. so so when you started lee just to kind of give us the listeners an idea when you started very very beginning um what did you do in terms of you know registering your business in terms of like you said you know you already said you didn't do a corporation right of the of the beginning. What, what what did you have to do to start? Basically, what do you have to do to start a business in Canada? What did you have to do? Um, yeah, I had basically I went online and I, uh, I I signed up all the forms for setting up a sole proprietorship. I paid the amount and then I had a business res- registration uh, in my email. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's like incredibly easy. I, I can't remember how much it is, but I think it's under a hundred bucks. What was this for the business for the business number for the HST? Is that what you're that, referring to? Uh, I didn't set up the HST right away. Right, right. So, so you don't have to. So yeah. that's another thing too. Yeah. yeah. So you, if your sales are under thirty thousand right. a year, I believe yep. you don't have to get an HST. Which exactly? I would I would avoid until you're at that scale, anyways, because I mean the benefits, like of collecting HST, there's really none. Well, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you, you're 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 adding more work than you need, and it's you should be focusing Absolutely. on your business, not on playing around with HST. So keep it simple. Yeah. Prove what you're doing. So yeah. So yeah. You, so you basically, yeah, you get your business number, mm-hmm. uh, and and you basically you need that in order to be able to open up a bank account and you know file your taxes and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, really after that, yeah, you just bring those forms to the bank. You open up your bank account, put in some money, mm-hmm. and I mean you're off to the races to, to actually start 
doing whatever it is that you're starting to do. I, 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 I chose to, to open up the company cause it was so inexpensive right away. And then I put my money in and then I kept all of my business related expenses there. through there rather than, you know, doing it through my personal, you know, visa or account and stuff like that. Right. Just, just so that I, I, you know, from a personal standpoint, just so I could keep it all separated, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then if I needed to put in more money then I could track all that and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, keep it sort of, clean that way and it in that tax time it'll make things a lot easier as well mm-hmm. yeah so yeah so but i mean it's very easy when you when you re- when you registered it you said you, you know you paid the fee was that primarily the the system that you use if you want to pick a name as opposed to using your own name is that what you're referring to oh yeah uh what is that is that tess i can't remember what it is but yeah so i i, I ended up picking my own name too right right um it ended up not being the name that we're we've ultimately chosen mm-hmm. either yeah. But I mean, all that stuff, you know, it's so easy to change. I mean, it's, I think it's all just online forums. You don't like your name in a, in a year from now, you just file for a change. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all, all really easy. And I, and you do need that, I believe in order to sell products that's, that's not under your specific name. Like for me, I, if I didn't want to sell bags under, you know, Lee Renshaw, mm-hmm. you know, by the Lee Renshaw bag. I mean, then, <laughs> <laughs> then I'd have to the file at least the sole proprietorship so I could do something like, you know, rise gear or, exactly. or whatever it is that I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I actually, I called them actually recently the, the CRA just to get sort of their, their clarity on that because I, I own a couple of businesses and as, um, and some of them are under just my name basically. Um, right. but the websites themselves aren't my name, right? Like, like build with Canada, the, the podcast run right now, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's right now, as of this recording, it's basically under my name as, as the business, right? It's not, right. there isn't like a separate sort of complete separate sort of entity and, and that is okay. So I didn't even have to, okay. I've often wondered about that actually. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I actually, I called them and I, and I spoke to them directly, like to the, to the guys that actually make these rules and, and I, and I, cause I, I was my concern cause I have a few, I have a few businesses now. Right. So I thought, okay, well, right. you know, am I sort of doing these best practices when it comes to setting this up? And they said, right. yeah, you know, it, it, it's fine. Like you've got several sites. You don't need to open up a completely new business for every like web business that you have. Like it, it's not, right. it's not necessary. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have another, well, I'm going to make a guide actually about how to sort of do it in Canada step-by-step, step, um, just for all the listeners, just so that they can sort of learn, because I think there's, uh, just from some of the feedback I've gotten from our listeners, you know, they want to start their own business, but they just can't find the information online that they, very easily, it's kind of confusing the way they do it. Like, you know, if you yeah. go on the Sierra website, you know, you kind of, sometimes you feel like you're reading a legal document, you know, you're right, you know, and, and it doesn't need to be that difficult. It's really it's, not. It really isn't that difficult once you, you get the hang of it. And, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, a guide like that would be, I mean, that would be great. I, 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 you know, I had to go through that whole process of looking up online and trying to decode what the heck that they had to do. And, and then once I figured it out, I realized how simple it was. Exactly. It, it really is. We're, we're so fortunate yeah. here in Canada. I have some family in Poland and I mean, for them to start, I, I spoke, speak with them and if they want to start their own business, they have to jump through so many hoops, like just all these forms yeah. and regu- like, it's just, it's horrible. Whereas here it's kind of, you can start one for, for next to nothing and, you know, which mm-hmm. is kind of what you want to do, right? Because you want to see if it's going to work anyway, whether you want to keep working on it, right? You want to test it out. You don't want to start spending thousands of dollars on lawyers and, you know, all these things. Yeah, and then you haven't even that, sold yeah. a single product yet. You don't even, you know, you don't even have a business yet. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I totally agree. I mean, and and, and it, when it costs too much to get started, I mean, it becomes a, a roadblock. Exactly. Right? Starting. 
Exactly. And and it ends up being money that you could have put towards, you know, getting getting this business started. Exactly. You know. Yeah. 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 Money and time and, you know, the time you should be spending on optimizing your product, talking to your yeah. potential customers for sure. Absolutely, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And that is really the most important thing when you're starting is, you know, that other stuff. <laughs> after you, after you've gotten this sole proprietorship stuff out of the way, it's it's all about the other stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so uh, you mentioned some of the things that worked out really well uh, in terms of top mistakes that you've made and, and how you would have done things differently, kind of knowing what you know now. Um, we, we kind of touched a little bit about this already, yep. about the sort of inventory kind of being one of the big, the inventory yeah, shortage was, before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. It used to be something blocked. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that would be one. Another one, we we hired a uh, a mentor to help us. Mm-hmm. That ended up being a huge mistake too. Uh, you know, I, you really have to pick somebody that you trust. You know, I, I've I've found, at least in my perspective, that there's, you know, hiring people. They they. It ends up being that they kind of want part of the company. Whereas, you know, I think if you have family and friends who you know have some business acumen, you know, they're they end up making way better mentors, uh, you know, than, than trying to hire people necessarily, unless, unless you need somebody who has a very specific skill set right, like uh, in your field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like say you need a specialist, like in, in, you know, kind of going back to the sports industry field, like in, in impact engineering right, or something like that. Right. Right? I mean, you got to hire that person. Mm-hmm. You need that mentor. But from, from a general business perspective, you know, I think that everyone has someone in their network who, you know, maybe they don't own businesses, but they, understand how a business is run and, and those are really the first people that you should go to instead of running out and and hiring you know people necessarily mm-hmm. um but i mean you know there was there was still a lot that we gained from that that thing and that that uh experience i mean we we did learn a lot from from the guy so i mean it wasn't a total total uh you know misstep mm-hmm. necessarily but um you know it just you want to be careful that it doesn't kind of progress too far. I mean, but what other stumbling blocks, I mean, you know, not focusing on marketing right at the beginning. I mean, that was, mm-hmm. that was huge, you know, really all, all business be, is really simple. It really becomes to making sure you have products, making sure you, you, you know, you follow, you know, the legal requirements in terms of what the government wants. And, Spending all your time letting everyone know why you're so great, right? And having it and making it easy for them to make that purchase. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think just with those four components, that's pretty much key. And, and kind of missing any one of those components can be detrimental. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah, I, I can. See, and dragons, and we see that all the time, right? Where someone spent years and years developing this product and they've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars even on this product and they've taken out you know they've mortgaged their house to to be able to do it and then they haven't actually gone out and tried to market it and sell it right and it and they just kind of the dragon just say like stop the bleeding already you're you're just 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 yeah yeah. just get out of it right (laughs) right it's just like so so that's the thing i think is uh it's fun to build things um you know and then you're not you can't really get rejected when you're building things right it's when you start marketing and selling that that mode exactly right when you start actually trying to push it and and try to 
uh, sell it and market it, you know, that's when the rejection is going to happen. And that that's yeah. what hurts. And so it's just easier to just keep building and keep tweaking, but then no one yeah. really knows yeah. about your product. Right. So yeah. you need that. And I mean, component. people rejecting your product is in some ways it's a good thing because they're telling you that you're not doing something right. Exactly. And, and specifically, this is what you need to change instead of continuously guessing at like, Oh, do I need to do this? Oh, do I need to do that? Exactly. I mean, when, when you're doing something and people are really vocal about what they don't like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's like, don't take it negatively. It's like, it's Oh feedback. wow, this, so is, this is an opportunity <laughs> here to do something. These people feel that passionate enough that they need to tell me this. Exactly. They could be doing so many other things with their time, but instead they're actually chose yeah. to respond to you. And like they're, they're trying to help you, even though it may not always sound like they're trying to help you. They, yeah. They... It doesn't come across helpful, <laughs> but it, it, at the end of the day, it is, you know, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. That's great. And then, you yeah. know, we, we talk, we're talking a little bit about marketing and then promotions and sales. What do you find is working really well in your business right now in terms of, you know, the different marketing channels you may be using, any specific tactics that you may be using? What, what's been working really well for you these days? Um, so we've we've identified essentially three different channels that our, our products sell really well at. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is is obviously through our website. I mean, we've we've had that since the Dragon's Den, and you know we've continued to to grow that through uh, you know online advertising, you know whether it's Facebook or Google AdWords and that sort of thing. Uh, you do have to be really careful that you don't blow, yeah. you know, more <laughs> <laughs> yeah. more money than than what you're making back. Uh, that's pretty important. So it, that is a little bit difficult. Yeah, make but... sure to set up your tracking. <laughs> you have yes, to track it. Yes. I mean, you exactly. can lose money very easily. It's, it's yeah. Like it's, I would say even um, almost 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 as easy, if not easier, uh, than than the stock market. Like if you're just picking stocks randomly, you could lose yeah. money. So like if you want to be a stock oh, yeah. picker, it's it's ridiculous how easy it is to just oh I'll just throw down ten grand here on this stock. Oh yeah. I mean and, yeah, it's, it's... and it's, it could be gone. Uh, and the same thing and actually with with Google uh, or, or you know with any of the other advertisers, the same kind of thing, right? You you if you don't set if you're just starting off and you're not setting a budget, you set a high yeah. uh, amount that you're willing to pay per click, let's say. Um, or you know, over a thousand mm-hmm. views, then then yeah, I mean, it can just oh, destroy. Yeah. So you really want to start small start low, and then and then grow small. it controllably, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely what we did, and and I mean, that's actually only really after prior to this. I mean, we did a lot of um, we hired a PR company mm-hmm. who like literally they would just go around and and pitch our story to uh, you know different media sources, um, and actually. Literally right after Dragons, then we and and then also hiring that company, we got on Today's Show. Nice with the product. So, I mean, that pretty much opened up the the U.S. market. It ended up being actually bigger than Dragons Den for us. That's amazing. Um, so, I mean, the PR is also really great, um, but the, you need to be able to keep stuff really fresh with the the PR company and and what they're pitching. Um, and now we've sort of gotten to the point where you know we're we're finding enough leads with PR on our own that we're just sort of mm-hmm. kind of letting that go. Like for instance, I th- actually I think today New York Times is running a an article on us. Oh great. Uh, awesome. Or uh yeah, I think for something it's like uh wedding travel. Oh, okay, nice. So like doing like a destination weddings and things that you can bring with you or and give to your wedding party. That's so awesome. we're we're in that. So you know that we're we're kind of at the point where we're getting a lot of organic leads in that respect. So mm-hmm. that's why we're focusing a little bit more on the paid leads and trying to figure that out. Yeah. The next uh, area for us is um, 
is our wholesale accounts. Uh, for us, wholesale accounts, they've never worked at retail. Hmm. I don't know why. It's just probably just, just not enough explanation for our product for it to really do well. Okay. Um, so it's never worked at it in other companies retail. Uh, but we've, we've focused a lot on recently, uh, more of discovery sites. So because we've got, you know, a unique product, mm -hmm. um, you know, these, these discovery sites, like, uh, for instance, uh, there's a company called the Gromit, uh, their whole business is about finding new innovative products from, you know, little, little businesses like us and you, and, and your, your listeners, uh, to help them grow their business and uh you know and and for their audience it's about finding new things and and it's it's more of like a social um you know everybody trying to help each other kind of a, a mentality and marketplace mm -hmm. uh so we've actually found that that that's been a huge source of of uh, growth for us um there's another one called touch of modern i mean there's just tons of them there's, there's sort of like a flash sales site slash discovery site mm -hmm. so you know they don't carry typical items like they're not going to carry toilet paper they're right. you know they're looking for that unique item that you're probably you know that your listeners are listeners are probably working on right um so that's definitely a huge source and the other interesting thing that we found about them is i mean they have huge email lists and you go out in their email blast when you get launched mm -hmm. and what we found is that while they did extremely well they also helped our website do extremely well because a lot of people want to buy it directly from the manufacturer. Oh, okay. So we end up seeing huge boosts just on our on our online site. That's great. And then they also help us get the the, the PR placements like the New York Times. We're constantly watching these discovery. Oh, I see. So the, yeah, I was going to ask about the New York Times. So the New York Times actually approached you because of something yeah. they saw out there. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. That's great. And it, and it's because of these discovery sites. You know, they're. they're 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 actually becoming a reason. It's the new e-commerce. Hmm. It's the new commerce. Actually, I think in general, you know, it's it's the way people are finding out about new things, whether it's for their news articles or they just want to, they just like new things for buying or you know finding unique solutions to their problems in everyday life. Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, that's that's actually our number one channel of of how we sell bags now. That's great. Yeah, and we've only actually discovered that maybe six months ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, so just in the six months, that's become our, our primary source of revenue. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So, so really incredible. It's, that's actually a big reason why we've, we thought we had enough inventory, but they've, they've just burned through it, uh, <laughs> in a good way, so, <laughs> yeah. in a good way, yeah, in a good yeah. way, actually. <laughs> um, and then our, our final sources, we've actually recently opened uh, kiosks in malls. Oh, that's amazing. So we designed a, a, a really unique, uh, display. Uh, that basically opens and closes the bags as you walk by. Oh, nice! The thing, so it, you know, it kind That's of it gives you that education, and it, you know, because it's the movement, it attracts you in the mall and gets people yeah, in. Yeah, the intrigue, and, right? It's like the flashing yeah, lights, except people are kind of desensitized to those now. But you know, like a. It's like a suitcase going up and down. I mean, that's not something you see every day. No, you don't see that. It's like, whoa, what is that? Yeah. I mean, we had people telling us, or at least one person anyways, tell us that she had dreams about it and she just had to buy it because she just <laughs> this thing was going up and down in her mind all day. It's like, are you serious? I had no idea that this would have that kind of <laughs> a reaction. I mean, it's... Just... <laughs> that's great. So it was, uh, you know, it was pretty cool. But that... The, I mean, we, we 
the the one kiosk we did that over for Christmas. We only do this for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were actually the number one grossing revenue kiosk in the mall. Wow, that's amazing. We just did a little mall. So, I mean, it was it was pretty cool. But really the best thing that we got from that was, uh, you know, Sean and I were actually, we did shifts there. And we talked to people oh. about the product. And we we gained so much insight in terms of, you know, where we need to take our products and in, in, in our business in That's general. That's amazing. That's such a good idea. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it is incredible. It's, it's, it's market and, research, but you're also selling yeah. it on, on top of and, that. Yeah, yeah, and we're making money to boost. That's so, incredible. You're, you're, getting, I mean, you're getting paid to do market research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, we, we, we discovered that we can't do it and make money throughout the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, it's just not enough traffic for it to really work. Yeah. And I think, uh, isn't that pretty common with a lot of retail stores too, where they're actually losing money throughout yeah. the year and then yeah. it's, and they basically, Christmas Make is that push where they need to succeed right. because that's what keeps them afloat. <laughs> what makes the right. business worthwhile yeah. running essentially. Basically. Yeah. 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 But I mean, the cool thing with, with kiosks is that they're, they're technically considered temporary leasing. So okay. you can go in for two to three months and then get out. Okay. Right? And then you're done. So you, you don't have to be there for the, the other, the bad months. And and you know what? It's if if you know if there's somebody who is starting a you know a, a product based business and it's something that could appeal to the you know the mall demographic and it's getting close to Christmas or or even if it's not, I actually highly recommend opening a kiosk for the minimal amount of time. It is incredible that the types of people that you'll meet, you'll make all these connections mm-hmm. of people who want to help you, work with you, have ideas for you. Everyone wants to share with it as soon as they realize, you know, you're, you're the person who's kind of putting it in place. Like it, it is actually a huge resource. And mm-hmm. while it's not a huge source of our, our yearly revenue, uh, we're going to continue doing it mm-hmm. just, just for the sake of, of, you know, all the opportunities that it, it sort of opens up yeah. in market research. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I never really realized that going in. We just thought, oh, let's just try this out. Right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> for sure. So you actually tell them that, oh, oh hi, I'm Lee. I'm the owner of uh of rise gear like you actually tell it to them so that they can uh well it depends yeah. i mean it some people they kind of start like oh this is so cool like oh i have this like great a great way i can help who's the owner and i'll be like well you know i'm i'm, I'm the guy who developed it and you know and then you can actually start having a conversation mm-hmm. with them and then you start you know all these doors start opening for sure you know, for every sure. every couple of days there'd be some new crazy opportunity that i never thought would be you know yeah <laughs> An option. Yeah, for sure. Because if they know you're the owner, because I mean, by default, people probably think, oh, well, he's some maybe minimum wage person that got hired to sit at this kiosk, right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, they're not going to care about, they might not care about these, you know, some ideas I have. Whereas you're like, no, I'm the owner, you know, let me, let me hear what your thoughts are. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And then they feel, you know, like you're, you're listening to them too, right? Which oh, yeah. is a good way to get a good fan base going as well. Get some product Oh, champions. absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and and I mean, people are like telling people about it. Yeah. I mean, it's great, and and I mean, for instance, one of the people that I met was uh, the the marketing director for Good Life oh, Fitness. Yeah. So we're working on doing a gym bag. So you know, we might be able to do some kind of a co co branded oh, gym bag with amazing. them, which could be huge. And and it's all because I was at this kiosk. Yeah, yeah. Day. Who would have thought, you right? <laughs> Who would have <laughs> thought? You're meeting directors, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's um, uh, it. Kind of just yeah. goes back to just getting things out there. I mean, you, everybody has to go to the mall eventually, right? <laughs> you know, even high high up people. So yeah, they need to go get that gift for their wife or whatever, the last minute birthday yeah. present or something. Yeah. 
you know, and, and trade shows are also really great for that too. If you have a trade show, I mean, I, I don't, I, we personally found that trade shows weren't good for like, you know, trying to really make a business of it mm-hmm. for our product. Um, but we were always profitable and we always met lots of people and got lots of feedback. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, and that's the kind of stuff that you have to do in, in the beginning, I think. That's great. That's great. Are there any other sort of key success factors that you think really contributed to you having all the success now with the business? Yeah, I mean, I think the the really, my, from a personal perspective, probably one of the biggest things was just, you know, staying committed to an idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm an industrial designer, so product designer by trade. I mean, I'm always coming up with ideas yeah. and it's, it's very hard not to just to look at because your newest idea always seems like the most promising. Right. Right. So, <laughs> but the problem is, is I, I mean, I, at the core, like ideas are somewhat worthless. You know, it's, it's actually following through it's and the execution. putting in all yeah. the work and the execution mm-hmm. and selling and all that stuff. That's really what makes a, an idea worth something. Exactly. Uh, so I, I would just say, you know, pick your idea, stay really committed until, Either A is, you know, you can see that it's going to be a success and, and then obviously continue at it even more or, I mean, it, it becomes so evident that it's just not what the market is looking for that, you know, maybe it is time to move on to the next idea. But, you know, staying committed to your idea until, you know, you've really had, you know, good feel for that, I, I think is pretty important. But I also want to kind of point out too that I had a lot of people tell me at the beginning that, you know, my rise idea was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I can understand, you know, their thought on that, but, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's where it kind of comes down to those weren't my target demographic. Right. Right. So you, you got to kind of figure that out too, you know, really figuring out who your market is, is very important and, and that it is big enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, really nailing down some of those, those things and, and, but really just staying committed to your idea. I think is, is just so important for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're talking to, let's say, uh, you know, a stay at home mom that has many kids, they're not traveling a lot or anything like that. Well, to her, that, that, that's not really your target market. Right. So she might no. say, Oh, well, I would never use this. And, right. and you could inter dangerously, you could interpret that as, Oh, well, maybe this isn't the right thing what people want, but it's like, well, no, I mean, she's just not, you know, she's at home. Why, why would she? Oh, yeah. This, right. Um, versus someone who's, uh, you know, tra- trying to travel in a conference a lot. Maybe they're like a traveling yeah. salesperson. Right. They want oh, yeah. they want their dress shirts. They, they the last thing they want to do is instead of preparing for their sales call in an hour to be mm-hmm. ironing their dress shirt. I mean, that's that's the last thing they would want to do. Right. So oh, yeah. so that's the person that you ask right, and find out. And, and at the beginning, too, we also found, you know, a lot of people that were older are just so regimented on putting their stuff in the drawers at the hotel. Oh, okay. They could just not get past doing that, you know, and, and mm-hmm. but now, now a lot of our demographic is in that age demographic. <laughs> Surprisingly. <laughs> but when I first started asking, yeah. they're like, why, why would I do that when I could just put it in the drawer? Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. you know, I, I think you have to have some internal gut feeling that, you know, you think it's going to work and yeah. You know, go for it. For sure. And I mean, and you experienced that problem firsthand. So you knew yeah. it would solve it for you, which I'm sure really helped as well. It wasn't some thing that you think hypothetically someone could enjoy. You thought, well, yeah. you, would, you yourself would actually use this. So you're just trying to sell it mm-hmm. to your people mm-hmm. like you at that point and then, uh, and then scale it from there. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Although I'm, I it turns out I'm not really the target demographic anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, but, no, not anymore. Not anymore. Like, but, but back then you were all. though, like when when you first came no. up with the idea, you weren't. No. no. Oh, because you said it was the organized people, and you were unorganized. It, it ends Is that up, why? No. It, well, it ends up being organized people and people that are, you know, older than. Like when I when I did it, I was like twenty, you know, five or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. But how many people that are twenty five? are a willing to even invest in luggage, mm -hmm. especially pr more premium luggage oh, that has okay. those extra you. features. Right. I mean, they, they just really can't, uh, you know, justify it unless it's a parent buying it for them for school. Right. I mean, we do get a lot of that. And, but it's, it's, you know, what? it's, it's people in their like forties to sixties who are, you know, getting to that age where they have a lot of disposable income and, and are traveling a lot or they're sales reps. Right, right, and it, they, they, it's, it becomes a convenience thing for them. That's that's convenience. that is yeah. so interesting. So I, that's, and yeah. I really thought it would be younger people and you know disorganized who need help. No, that's not a, that. At all. That is such an interesting pivot. Then that's because you must have for a while. Then you must have been trying to market and sell to people like yourself when you were. Well, I was right, and then you see these this sort of um, yeah. Well, that's amazing. That's really that's yeah. Really so cool. you know that's the kind of thing that you start to realize. Like yeah. like when we did the mall thing, even I mean nobody young came. Like mm -hmm. it was so, so apparent and, it, yeah. and it's mostly women too, because women tend, you know, overall mm -hmm. to be more organized than men. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women will be like, oh, well, I should get that for my husband because he is messy. So that's, that's one case where someone is buying it for someone that is messy. Yeah. yeah. But that messy person would never buy it. That's because <laughs> <laughs> they're okay being messy, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. So yeah. That's what we, we've just determined, you know, just through this market research. So, you know, just because one person doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. And actually that was another thing too. David Chilton, you know, he couldn't get past, like he didn't think that there was a market because he gave our bag to his son who's like in high school and his son used it for two days and gave up on it. Okay. So he's like, nobody's going to use this. Mm -hmm. He's then we realize he's not our he's not our market. Right. You gave him you gave the bag to the wrong person. Right. Yeah. Because because you know maybe he's okay just putting his stuff on the you know, on the top. The, the, anywhere somewhere else, right? And not yeah. having to do it. Whereas you talk to a sales rep, and I mean that's huge for them. I, I can't see. Oh yeah, they're would... gonna be like in and out of the hotels. They exactly. might be in a hotel for like a night, and then they're they're off to the next place. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So they've got to stay organized. They're in and out. So yeah, that's that's ultimately what we found was. And is the market? Yeah, so that's amazing. That you know that reminds me of another entrepreneur. Um, I forgot his last name, but his name is Neville. Uh, he works uh, over at uh, AppSumo as well. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he does a lot of uh, kind of um, copywriting type courses and such. And one of the, mm -hmm. uh, but his kind of story was when he started, he had this uh, website called House of Rave. He said where he would oh. where he would say sell glow sticks and things you know things like that, like things pe people would you'd think people would take to raves. <laughs> Bring you right? these uh, these rave parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So so for the longest, so he was saying for the longest time, you know, he's. He's kind of trying to sell it to these, you know, raver people, right? Um, yeah. But then what he later found out, uh, kind of similar to you, that that's actually not as is market like if someone's in high school and going to rave well they don't have that much money anyway and they're not going to yeah. be buying that much stuff anyway right however yeah. what he found was that uh things like glow sticks and different lights and things um djs really liked it you know people who like do weddings um oh, yeah. you know what i mean and uh, i think yeah, yeah. So, so so like a whole different market and these people would, would buy these on a recurring basis too right so not like oh mm -hmm. i'm go this weekend i'm gonna buy a glow stick it's more i'm gonna now buy you know i'm gonna have I have ten events. 
events lined up in the next few months. I'm going to buy this thing in bulk, right? For everyone yeah. that, you know, that kind of thing. So it completely, you know, blew his business oh, yeah. out of the water and it's all because and it's so similar to your story, right? Where you just, you know, you, you, you just change your target market and it's not always what you initially think it is. That's really, really, no, it isn't. Yeah. yeah, it isn't. And, and, and the other thing that we also realized too, is it, it depends a lot on the channel as well. So for instance, okay, yeah. in, um, in the retail stores, like in our kiosks, I would say it's almost 80% women. Okay. Online, it's almost 50-50. Okay. Male to female. So it's, I mean, even just the way you, you, you know, where you're doing it, I mean, it, it can have a huge impact on terms of who's interested and who's buying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta sort of stay, keep an open mind on all those things when you're, when you're doing it and, and not to be afraid to branch out and just test like, Oh, would this person like it? For sure. You know? And I so guess not know. being so kind of set in your ways that, hey, this is, yeah. I'm the target market. This is who it is. I'm going to stick yes. to it. I know best as opposed to being open that, hey, you know what? Maybe there's other uses for it. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm a firm, firm believer of, I mean, I don't, I don't care if it's something that I like. I care if it's something that my customers like. Exactly. Yeah. If you're, if you're so. in, uh, in business, right, that's the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I ultimately, they're yes. the ones paying you, right? So that you can keep doing you can keep being an entrepreneur, right? So you better yeah. care what they have to say. Exactly. <laughs> For Otherwise, sure. you're, you've got an expensive hobby. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So my last question for you, Lee, before you kind of uh, we, we part it and you tell us more about um, where we can learn more about Rise Gear. Uh, if you were to start completely from scratch, let's say you know you only had five hundred dollars saved up, and you know you want to use that to to start your own business on the side, something like that. Where would you invest your time, and where would you invest that money if you were just completely starting from scratch? Um, I mean, obviously the first thing I start off with is get the, the business license. Mm-hmm. Um, I would try and, and come up with a product that I could either, you know, make myself to, to at least prove the market or, you know, I could make domestically in a small volume mm-hmm. and, or at least build a prototype. And once I had a prototype, I, I would absolutely go on Kickstarter. I mean, anyone can do it. There's no... Like dragons, then you have to get past a certain, you know, certain benchmarks in order to actually get on. But I mean, Kickstarter, it's really the market who decides whether or not you have a good idea. Right. And from there, I would just, you know, I would I'd create a, a really good video and I would invest in some beer money for some videographer friends or something because <laughs> <laughs> they might be a bit over the $500 budget. Uh-huh. But I mean, or you can even do it yourself. I mean, there's lots of people who do great videos just using their iPhone, just, even. just using their iPhone uh-huh. and you just look it up online. And I mean, there's tons and tons of great information out, on, out there on that. And then I would just focus the rest of my time on just, just PR, like letting blogs know and mm-hmm. like any kind of media know about, about your Kickstarter campaign. And I mean, from that point, I mean, it, it's, you know, if you're a success, you've hopefully made enough that you can can grow that. Uh, so you can grow that uh, that business there. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That's a great tip. And by that time, you know, you hope you would have validated it. You'll know whether there's some good, uh, some potential demand, and whether you should keep pushing forward. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, that's absolutely. great. That's a great tip. Um, all right, no, well, thanks so much. And yeah, tell us a bit more, uh, Lee, about uh, where we can learn more about you, more about Rise Gear. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, you can check out all of our bags at risegear.com. Uh, it's got some good stuff on our background history and where we came about in our story. And uh, and basically all of our bags are available for sale uh, currently, And unless uh, unless the New York Times <laughs> blows us out of the water again. But uh, 
yeah, that's the, that's basically the best place to get it. And uh, if any entrepreneurs have any questions, uh, they can reach me at uh, lee at roundcirclegroup.com. All right. So thank you, Lee. The Dragon Slayer Renshaw will be your <laughs> <laughs> my new title. Your new title. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sounds great. All right. Thanks a lot, Lee. Thank you very much. Kurt. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay, take care. Bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Lee. You can check out risegear.com to see what he has to offer and basically what he's built over the years. And of course, if you want to start your own business on the side here in Canada, be sure to check out the only, as far as I know, step-by-step video guide on how to start your own side business here in Canada and how to build your own website for that business. Both guides are totally free and you can get them at buildwealthcanada.ca slash business. And you can get the guide on how to build your own website here in Canada over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash site. All right, so have a great week. I look forward to seeing you there. I hope you check out the guides and let me know what you think. All right, take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca.